I, uh, we are not, we don't feel strangers here this morning. We, uh, as a matter of fact, I feel at home here because it's like being in a family. And I think of you guys, Nick Viv, um, goes back many years. You say Anton was that small um, when you guys came to, um, to Richmond and uh, with the church plant, um, you know, with Ashley all the years and so many years go back and we look down this path of memory memory lane and just all we can say is that God is good, is faithful and to be able to see soldiers of the cross here this morning is like a baby but <laughs> but uh, but really uh, the thing that we that um, I, I would like to share with you this morning uh, just for you as a couple when you left um, Victoria and you came this of DCI and you came here it was because of just this stir in your heart coming here a few years ago, I don't know how many years ago, when you had this, the fire that came through last night. Yeah, 2017. And uh, yesterday, I just felt in my heart, you know, when this happened, you know, you planted out there, you were obedient to God, you came here, and then this happened after some time. You're obedient to come and plant here. And... Um, Sometimes when, when things happen, we don't understand it. And I don't think, you know, we, we always think that we've got a theology. Everything must just go well with us. And it doesn't. And there are times where um, if our commitment is of, is of such a nature that even if when things go wrong and God does not come through, are we still prepared to serve God? And... This, must, this is what we see in Scripture. Regardless of what, nothing will change the fact that Jesus came, given us an opportunity to walk with Him, to serve Him, and even whatever goes wrong, our focus, our eyes, our hearts are set on Him. And um, when this happened to you, um, it must have been, for, as, a, as a community, it, must, it was devastating. But I just felt, this is the little thing that I wrote down, when out of the ashes, you saw ashes there, and it was out of a heart of obedience that you came to plant here. And then this happened, and here, you know, you know, I've, you know I'm doing a little bit of farming as well, and uh, unfortunately, uh, part of the farm have got a lot of wattle trees. And those wattles are, it's like a thorn in the flesh. You can... You can clear the area, and it can, it can, the, the seed can lie dormant for 10 plus 20 whatever years. And then with a little bit of heat, it starts to grow again. It's like, that's what it needs, just a little bit of heat. And I felt that for you, as a community, um, the heat came. 
And that, was the, that is a seedbed into the new that God has for you. There's new life coming through. God is doing a new thing. And um, they say that when you get old, you just start to dream dreams. Well, last night, I had a dream. And uh, I had it a couple of times, and, you know, just lately, where I just, all I, I close my eyes, start to dream, and, and I see revival. I see multitudes of people coming to know Jesus. And I saw you guys, and I saw Plittenberg by, I saw Shaw, you know, and I saw God pouring out His Spirit in a, an incredible way. There are things that's busy happening. It is that which happened a few years ago. It's a seedbed into the greater things. It's into, into the new, into the nations, into that which God has for you. And take this word this morning. Difficult times come. And Danny who sits there, um, if you don't mind, Danny also felt something for you. If you don't mind to come and share it, Danny. Just quickly, um, without wasting any time on that. But I think it's important that, you know, we have come as a team. And we just felt that we've come here just to share with you. We are fellow believers. We've got the same thing, the same DNA. God is doing something. And for you to be encouraged. And don't be, don't be distracted by his moustache. There's not that many people with moustaches like that. But Danny is, is a man that I am passionate, you know, I, it's my friend, and when Danny speaks to you, you can listen to him. So, thanks, Danny. Morning, everybody. Uh, praying this week, before coming here, I just felt the Lord lay this verse on my heart. It's uh, Psalm 2, verse 3. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. And, you know, us as Christians, we walk a walk, and sometimes... We lose sight of the main thing. And we get stuck like a four by four. Not supposed to get stuck in the mud, but they do get stuck in the mud. And we like that four by four. And this morning I want to encourage you, as Henny brings a word, let it wash over you. Let it break those chains. Break those shackles. Be set free in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. The, I've got two verses in Isaiah that I feel I'd like to share. It's all to do with the Word of God here, but I feel that this is a, this, these verses are for you as a body of believers here this morning. So in Isaiah 43, from verse um, 1 to verse 7, I'd like to read that for you. And now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, Fear not, for I've redeemed you. Fear not. I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I'm, I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom and Cush and Seba for in your stead. Now, this I can explain to you sometime, but we haven't got time yet. When, when we think of Cush, who are the Cushites? It's the people of Africa. Um, but we won't go that, that route now. I, I'll explain it to Nick may, maybe later on. Uh, Since you are precious in my, and, and honorable, in, honorable in my sight, 
and, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid. Excuse me. For I'm with you. I will, I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, he whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. And then if we, if we can just go to chapter 44, and just a few verses there as well for you. But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says to he, he who made you and who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid. That's just, do not be afraid. The new that God is bringing you into, it's overwhelming. O Jacob, my servant, Jesru, and whom I've chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams in the dry ground. I will pour water on my spirit and, and my spirit on your offspring, and my blessing on your descendants. And uh, and so it will. And he goes on, but. I feel that there is a word for you this morning that God wants to just encourage you and He strengthen you. And it's when we, when we look at this, what God is busy doing, and we look at the, if it's like someone who's painting, uh, doing a painting, and we look at the canvas of the universe, and then we understand how awesome and how great God is, that God is a God who's a God of, of got a plan and a purpose for every one of us here this, this morning. God knows you by name. You are precious in His sight. And I look at this, this picture that God is busy painting, especially in our day in which we're living. God is busy painting a picture of the, of the end times for us, and we are so part of this. And I, I remember I was at, God gave me a word, many years ago, and he said to me, before you are 50, you'll be throughout Africa with the gospel. But it came through a lot of hardship and difficulties. And I, and I stood there and in Egypt, at the, just before the age of 50, and I, I said, God, so where do I go from here? And I walked in, in Cairo, in the street, and there was a lady, and she sat with, you know, this They've got this outfit, outfit with just the little eyes sticking out there. And as I looked at this lady, I, my heart just was overwhelmed. I felt God say to me, from here on, you're going into the Middle East. And I, I wept. I said, God, I'll go anywhere. But not, you know, at the, I was grew up on a farm. You know, still very much, you know, there are black people, white people, colored people, what Indian people. And the Indian people, I didn't have all that much to do with them. I thought they were all Indians in the Middle East. I said, God, I'll go anywhere but not to these Indians. God said, no, no, you are going to them. Only then that I discovered when I was in Egypt, they all, they all Muslim people. And, now, and I've, I'm not trained for this. I don't know nothing. But here inside... God is saying, you're going there. I can't speak the language. I remember my first trip, went into Jordan. I was almost, almost arrested. The security police were waiting for me to, 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 to arrest me. But they didn't hear because they were waiting for me speaking about Jesus. But while I was busy speaking, 
felt the Holy Spirit said, you don't, don't mention my name. Don't mention Jesus here. And the guy who was my interpreter was one of the informants. And every now and then he excused himself. He went out around the corner into this room where they were listening to everything. They said, have you got enough evidence against him? And he said, no, but he's not saying anything about Jesus. Because Jesus spoke to me then. He said, you don't mention anything about me. They said, he's just speaking about the family. And I was referring to the church as a family. And so they, that's how I came into, into Jordan. Now I'm in Jordan and I'm busy traveling. And I, and I came across, someone took me to a little place. And there's a little building. And this is like a museum. And on this floor of the museum, this little building, they, they've discovered over many years, 2,000 years, that this floor have actually, you know, it's, it's becoming thicker and thicker. Over, over all the centuries, new people have come in, nations and generations have come in, and they've put a new floor in this building. And so they decided that they were going to go back to the original floor. And they dug down and they discovered the original floor. And it was, this was a church that was around about AD 64. And on the floor of this church, there they discovered the, the then known world, a map of the then known world. Was, it was, didn't look like the, the, the world because they didn't know what the world looked like. But what they did have there was what the, the area that they worked in was, that was known as the world. And on the floor of this world, of this thing was, was, was painted out with mosaic tiles the missionary journeys of Paul. And that was all that was burning in their heart. The only thing that they could talk about was the apostolic. How did this gospel have gone out? And I was standing there 2,000 years later. I said, God, you brought me here. They're all Muslims. But now I'm coming to preach the gospel here. And it was that thing that stood in my heart. And this is the picture of the canvas that God is busy painting of who we are and what God wants to do. They understood this. Now, in, in Romans 15 verse 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. So we look at this. I say, God, that gives me even the more reason to preach this gospel. Because if they paid with their lives to get the gospel out, how, and who, how are we going to stand before God one day for that which has been entrusted to us if we don't do, any, do nothing about this? Now, I've... Um, I don't know where our children have got this from, but Anton is, is into running, and Marie has also discovered that she can run. She did a thing yesterday in Cape Town, uh, uh, and they're crazy. But this, there was this one guy called Bruce Fordyce. Remember him? And I think he won, I think, eight or nine comrades, marathons. Ten, yeah, let's say it was ten. But many. It, I think it was, you're right, about 10. But they interviewed Bruce Fordyce once, and they asked him, he said, what's the reason, why do you run like this? And he said, first of all, there are five things that motivated him. He said, my aim is to finish. Secondly, 
My aim is to enjoy myself. I don't know how he enjoyed himself. He said, my aim is to go for gold. My aim is to win. And fifthly, my aim is to break the record. And that, is, that sums up what the Christian walk is all about. And I don't know where, where this fits in to your, into your way of thinking. But if this is what Bruce Fordyce could say, and it, I think it was precious. You know, are we just going through the motions as believers? Or are we here and we say, I'm going for gold. I want to win. I want to finish, and I want to finish strong. See, everything that was written to us in the past, there's a reason why God has given it to us. Now, there are, there are four things I would like to, with, in line of this, I would like to bring to our attention this morning, if you would allow me to do so. But first of all, it's a, it is the, there's the privilege of ministry, the privilege of serving Jesus. Secondly, there is the obedience to that. If I'm going to run this race, we cannot just serve God on our terms, our conditions. There's the obedience to the call of God. And thirdly, that which is of God will be tested. If God has given you something, be assured of this, it's going to be tested to the ultimate. And then fourthly, God is looking for hearts who are willing, people who are willing to pay the price. So we start with the first one, the privilege of ministry. And here, you know, I'd like to take us to the book of Numbers. And here in Numbers, there's the story of the people of Israel, remember. The first time, you know, when they came out of Egypt, they were on their way to the promised land. First opportunity they had, it was still under Moses. And here Moses come, came to them, and, he, and in Numbers 13, he spoke to them in verse, listen to this. Numbers, and uh, let me just find it quickly. Numbers 13, verse, uh, verse 1. Um, the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe sent one of their leaders. So there were 12 people, 12 leaders, that from the 12 tribes, one person was, was, you know, uh, was selected to go. But the scary thing is, even up until today, why did they leave, give us the names of those people? Twelve people, and you can read about their names you know, just through that chapter. Every name is there. Now, if that is so, and in, the, in history one day, our names are recorded there. These are the things that you've done. Now, these names were recorded. And then listen to what it says there further on from this. Let's take it from this. Uh, um, from this. Uh, okay, in verse, verse 16 it says, these are their names. And let's take it verse, from verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on to, into the hill country. See what the land is like, what the people are like, who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land they live in? Is it a good? Is it good or bad? And what kind of town they do live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So it was. It was almost like a military, um, uh, you know, request. They. This is what they had to do. They had to follow these orders. They had to look at this. 
Now, it says there, see that you bring back some of the fruit of the land. See what you, what you bring back. All right. And they read a little bit on there. Now we come and look at the fruit that they brought back. Verse 27. Um, uh, I'll say, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is a fruit. And they showed the fruit. But it wasn't just the, the grapes that they showed them. You know, it was more than the grapes that showed them. It was a report that they brought back. That is the fruit that they came back with. Um, there were, they were 12 spies. They, were, they, they had the privilege of going into the promised land first before anyone else. 12 out of, out of 2 million were selected to go out. Now, we sit here this morning, here in Neisner, and God has selected us. He said, you're going out. You're going to represent me. Now, what kind of fruit are we bringing in? How do we stand before God? Are you prepared to just go in with that, with that which you've got at the moment because everything still centers around you. It's about me, mine, and what, can, what I can get out of it. And, you know, sometimes you, people come to church and say, so I will come to church, but what is it in it for me? And if you don't do what, if, if they don't do what you want them to do, you just go and join another church. And I think that is a sad thing about, about Christianity. You know, we can, we decide, we, pull, we call the shots as to what we're supposed to do. But if you have made a commitment to Jesus, you've laid down your rights, you've died. Well, that's the way I interpret the word of God. I do not serve God on my terms. You are dead. You don't, you don't live anymore. Yes, God wants us to, wants to bless us. He wants to give us the, the desires of our heart as long as it's in line with what God wants. But if it's, if it's just what is, it, what is in it for me, then I, we, I think we miss the point on this. We cannot expect, you know, even as leaders, people to go if we're not even prepared to pay the price ourselves. You know, this is all saying, if the world is not your parish, your parish will become your world. You know, for us, is it more than just us meeting here on a Sunday? I believe that God wants, you know, He so loved the world that He gave His Son so that everyone would have an opportunity to hear Jesus or to receive Him. So that is the first thing. It is a privilege to serve God. That's what Bruce Fordyce will say, you know, coming back to him as well. The second thing is to be obedient to the call of God. And here in Numbers chapter 20, and we won't read this, uh, there is the, the in, in the wilderness, the people started to complain, there's no water. God came to Moses and he said to him, Moses, just go and, you know, uh, you know, with the rock. He, went to, was he, to, he was to... Yeah, whatever. But he, he misrepresented God. Instead of doing what God wanted him to do, he, he became angry. But the outcome of this is, it was like not just Moses were affected, but Aaron was also impacted as a result of this. 
You know, we, we, I've stood there in Jordan, and Rita was there with me a couple of times, in Jordan where, where Moses stood, and, the, and he viewed, the, in, he looked with Ashley Bell, looked into the promised land. They say it is a day's journey to get into the promised land. In our Christian walk, are we so, you know, are we just wanting to look at the promises, or promised land, or we, are we so determined, I'm destined for eternity. I want to be with Jesus. I don't want to just be disqualified, just viewing the promised land. And because Moses misrepresented God, he never entered the promised land. But not just that. You know, the whole nation suffered. Because for 40 years, also as a result of, because he misrepresented God, it impacted everyone. You remember Achan in the Bible? Because Achan, Achan did something that was wrong. His family had to pay the price. You know, for us, we don't even realize this. You know, just the, the obedience, when we, come, when we look at obedience, we become disobedient to God. It impacted our families as well. I can stand here today, and I, and I thank God for this. You know, I can't just go and preach the, the gospel out there. And here behind me, my family's in a mess. I thank God that as a family, we are serving God. We are passionate about Jesus because what I did impacted my family. And today they're serving Jesus. So that's this, the third thing is that which is of God will be tested. God will test it. Here's a story in Genesis 22 with Abraham. Remember Abraham? God came to him and said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of the multitude. And he waited so many years, and still there was nothing. He, he tried to, to actually help God in the process. And, you know, Ishmael was born. You know, sometimes God has given us promises, but then we become, <laughs> we, we become tired of waiting, and we try to just help assist God in that. And we sit with our Ishmaels. But here's Abraham. God came to me and said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of the multitude. And then God blessed him, and there's Isaac. Isaac grew up, little boy. And then one day God came to him and said, Abraham, take the son, the one whom you love, and go and sacrifice him. The beautiful thing about Abraham was he didn't wait like a politician to try and first of all negotiate with God. God spoke to him the next morning. That's what he did. You think, of, think about what God has spoken to you, the words that God has given you. How long has it actually taken you before you've responded to that, to what God has said? But when Abraham did that, he, there was a test. When God spoke to him, he said, Abraham, take the son. He was promised he was going to be the father of the multitude, but now he had to go and kill his son. So, that's why I'm saying everything that is of God will be tested. I, I would like to just, just bring a little story in here. We, uh, I used to go up. I, my, at that point of time, I had a vision 
for the nations, but my vision only extended up to the Zambezi. Some people in South Africa, they, they talk about the nations, they, their vision comes up to the Limpopo, that's more or less where it stopped. It doesn't go further than this. At, at least my vision was to the Zambezi at the time. But at that point of time, I, um, you know, we were working in Malawi for a number of years, and my parents came, and they gave Rita and myself our inheritance. Uh, we took this money, and we bought a piece of land next to in, in Blantyre, next to the airport, and that's where we built, and uh, we built, I think it was a 3,000-seater building that we had up there, and we built an orphanage, and it took us seven years to build it. And uh, it was about two weeks before the actual opening of this building that I lost everything. And I, I was devastated. I remember I traveled up, I picked Ashley up, Ashley Bell in, in, at, at 3CI in Pretoria, and he was going to just travel with me that night, going through me. It's about a two-day journey to get there. And on our way that night, I was broken. I said, God, I've, this is about your kingdom. And seven years of my life, D Dudley, came, Dudley Daniel came and he said to me, Henny, just walk away from it. He said, yeah, it's easy for you to talk like this. It, it was, it's, my, it's my inheritance in seven years of my life. Now I must just walk away from this. But anyhow, I'm traveling in, this, in the vehicle, and God spoke to me. He said, Amy, at that point of time, I had this outreach ministry called Africa for Christ. And God said, Henny, I've allowed this to happen because if this hasn't happened, then that which I've got in mind for you, it would die here in Blantyre, in, in Malawi. But this is, this is going uh, uh, to stop because from now on, it's not going to be Africa for Christ anymore. It's going to become all nations. And he said, before you're 50, you'll be throughout Africa with the gospel. And it was incredible. I took God at his word. I had no... I don't, I don't know anything about Africa up there. And sometime I'll share some of that. But how God would take people. The first contact was into, into Kenya. That's when Uganda and all those countries opened up as well. But I, I was in, Bl in Blantyre, about to go fly back to South Africa. The Kenya Airways landed that mechanical problems, landed in, on the airport. They took the passengers from there into our plane and I had my seat booked. I was tired. I sat there and here they come and they asked me to go to move somewhere else. I, was, I wasn't impressed with this. And, and, and to count it all, I was in the middle seat and you know it's uncomfortable if you're a long flight. And here comes a guy and he sits with his little Bible. I said, oh God, if it was an unsaved guy that I could have testified to him, this is a saved guy. I don't want to sit and just talk about his you know, experiences. In the meanwhile, God spoke and he said, I've, I've, you know, I've, I'm going to use you into Africa. Now listen to what this guy, I'm opening the door. And that's how Kenya opened up. And, and now I, it, it, and that's at the, at the age of 50, I'm here in, in Cairo. I've traveled, there are over 50 countries in Africa. In every country in Africa, that's where we've planted churches. God has been so good to us. And 
but it was tested. But just the story here is that, just not to, not to labor the point, when God gives us a word, God does not work the way that we work. Go and read Genesis chapter 1, where it, even with creation, our day normally starts with the rising of the sun. We say, it's a new day. But in, in Genesis, it says, it was evening and it was morning. Seven times, evening and morning. So God works different to us. If, and, and if we try to think that we're going we're gonna to understand God's way of how he's doing it, we miss the point here. But uh, that was just on, on, the, on that which is of God will be tested. And then number four, hearts that are willing. Uh, and here in Exodus 35, here we see this once again. They were, they were about to build this, this tabernacle. And Moses gave, the, gave everyone an opportunity. He said, we, if you've got any gold or whatever, just give it. And he says, everyone who's willing. And God, is, God comes to us in the same way. He said, this is what I've got for you. This, there are my promises to you, but it is up to you as to whether you're actually going to respond to this. Hearts who are willing. Now, we have been given a mandate. And God has said, you can be part of this but I won't, I won't force this on you. You can decide how much of that you want. I, I believe that we live in the end, in the end times, where God, the biggest, the biggest outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we still, we yet, we're still going to see we can be part of this. And the hardest thing is to, to go where God doesn't want us to go. I, I remember, and I'll just quickly come to this. I was up in the Middle East, arrived in Turkey, Richard Preston is with me there. And um, we, they took us to a place. We went to Tarsus, where Paul, you know, to his house. And from Tarsus, we went to a place called Antakya. And Antakya, that is the, this is the Antioch. The, the, the Antioch, in the, there are two Antiochs, one in, in Syria and one in, in, in Turkey. But this one in Antioch, this is where they were first called Christians. And as we arrived, uh, uh, they took us there. The church building that is there, there is no church building. It is just a cave. That, and and that's, that's where the Christians met. And this is where Barnabas sent for Paul to, to, to Tarsus, which is about like from Durban to, to Joburg, about 500 kilometers. Not by airplane, not by donkey. I don't know how he managed to get there. And he found Paul and he brought him back. And often I would go, we'd, we'd go in there, look at this church, go outside and there's like a little place where you can sit and I'd say this is the place where this is where Peter remember came where Paul rebuked Peter and and suppose this is where Paul would have seated and and he would look over this plain into in towards Israel and and that is what what is known as a silk route today and and he would sit there and say I must take this gospel and I must preach it Jesus has never been heard. And that, here we come back so many years later with the same thing, that God has given us this mandate that we need to preach this gospel. You know, in Joel it says, multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. Today, the same is still true, that multitudes are in the valley of decision. Napoleon once made the statement, he said, um, he said the purpose of, of war is victory. The purpose of victory is occupation. This is, this is it, it just sums it up. The purpose of war 
is victory. The purpose of victory is occupation. That's why we run this race. And when the Word of God says in, 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 in Psalm 2 verse 8, Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. I don't know about you how, how much of that is burning in your heart. Say, God, give me the nations. This is one thing. I've asked God for many things and not always have I received it. But this is one thing. I've asked God and He's never let me down on this one. I've received it. And so God is, God is, is, is so faithful to this. And we need to occupy till He comes. And that, is, that must be our, 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 our objective, to fight the good fight. But if we're going to fight the good fight, it's going to cost you your life and it's going to cost you your walk. It will cost us everything. Now, what is going to determine success? Just quickly for you. If our success is going to be, it will be summed up in this way. Our ability to reach the lost. That is, that is when we're successful. It's when we can take Jesus and we can reveal him to a dying world. And secondly, our ability to train and to release leaders. Here, in, in our togetherness, every one of us are leaders. Because if, if, you, if you say that I'm not a leader, then you're not a believer. Because you need to, you are a leader, you're looking after yourself. You, you st first of all, starting to be a leader when you look after yourself. So we are all leaders. So it's our ability to release and to lead and to train leaders. No half measures because people are watching our lives. And we are here as examples. And as I look at my life, I say, how, how long is a lifetime? If I, a lifetime maybe I can sum it up for you in this way a lifetime varies in the distance that we've covered and the things that we've accomplished the, thing, the distance that we've covered the things that we've accomplished God, this is how much the fullness of God that is, God, God is giving us, he said, you can have the fullness of my Holy Spirit not in, in, in Ephesians 3 he says, in proportion to the power of God that worketh in us, the fullness of God that worketh in us, there's no half measures. So we can discover that the lifetime will go as far as eternity if it is with Jesus. That is how far a lifetime is. It can go into eternity, a full lifetime. And then just in closing, this is Paul's instruction to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and from verse 2, this is what... Five little things for you. And, and these, these are the instructions that I can leave with you as well this morning. Paul could say to Timothy in, uh, in verse 2, verse 3, and verse 5, he said, my first, my first obligation, first thing that God has called me to is to preach this message. We are here to proclaim Jesus. Secondly, to guard my heart. Yes, there are many of us as believers walking around with a fence because we're not guarding our hearts. We do not have a check on our lives, our hearts. And then number three, be watchful. Paul was saying this to Timothy. He said, Timothy, watch out for that. Be careful of this. And then fourthly, we corrected the word of God. You want to make sure that you're running the race, that, you, that you're on track. Stay in the word of God. We, we, we go according to what the word of God says, not according to what our feeling or our culture or our background says we stay in the word of God and then number five we endure hardship we must be a people say God I will serve you 
regardless of whatever we endure hardship and in verse 7 he says Paul could say I have fought the good fight I've finished the race I've kept the faith now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who've longed for his appearance that is what Paul could say I fought the good fight I'd like to close with this little story a couple of years ago in, in Joburg, they, they discovered a little boy. He was around about seven, age of seven. And uh, they found him in a box, uh, in a cardboard box, and uh, with an old mother who was looking after him. And when they discovered him, they, they interviewed the old mother. And they said to ask him what was going on. And she told them that at the little baby at birth, the, his parents... Um, you know, they had this, this child and they were into drugs and stuff. They didn't know what to do with him, so they just dumped him with the old grandmother. And she was old, she couldn't look after him. Um, she, she took him and she had a box. She put him in the box. And he grew up in this box and every, just on a Sunday, he would go to church. And after the Sunday, me the church meeting, he'd go back into the box. And then um, so he grew up like this, and at the age of seven, when they discovered him, they took this little boy, and he was exposed to, to, to little friends, and he started to play with him. But then something strange happened. When evening came, he was wanting to come back to his box again, because that was the place that he was familiar to. That, that was where he could live. Now, unfortunately, this is what, what it is like with a lot of Christianity, with Christians. You know, we're familiar with our boxes. We come, we in our box here on a Sunday. We're with other believers. We, are this, we feel comfortable here. But Monday morning, you know, then, then there's a world out there. God doesn't want us to just live in a box. God wants us to be free. He's got a life out there for us. And for you as a believer this morning, I believe that... God has given us a spacious place to live in, and it's up to us this morning. We say, God, I want the fullness of Jesus in my life. So, Nick, this is where I believe you. I, I don't know what, you know, what, what, you know, how are we going to do this from here on? But yeah, okay, I can pray for you. Father, yeah, please, Nick. I think, I think this morning is good for us to respond. You know, any can come, you can share, and we carry on and we get back in our box. And, you know, if you're saying, well, today I want to get out of my box, let's, let's stand and, you know, uh, maybe you've never asked God, oh, Lord, you know, give me the nations, give me whatever. Uh, give me my neighbor. <laughs> um Cool. So if you're wanting to respond, let's, let's stand up and let's any and any your pray for us. Our Father, we, we stand before you. I thank you for brothers and sisters. We are yours. We belong to you, Lord Jesus. Father, we stand before you this morning, overwhelmed by who you are, 
that you have given us this opportunity. Father, in our hearts, we're crying out for more of you. Cry out to God that you will just take away the things that actually slow us down, the things that actually blind us from going forward. Jesus, we want the fullness of you in our lives. Father, we, we want you to so come and dwell in us for the world out there to see you. Father, I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for here, this part of the world. Father, that this little patch, Father, it's being cared for. There are believers here and they are running the race. Father, I pray that your hand will rest upon them that this morning, oh God, that you will just come and do a work in every one of us. We love you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. We worship you. We exalt your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are, we are still before you. There is no one like you. Oh God, in this life, may we count for you. Your name to be exalted. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Nick.